What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Hi, guys. Evan. Evan, you're embarrassed to have been part of that intro, aren't you? No, I thought my part was good. Oh, well, oh I was waiting award, for that. The award-winning Evan Grant. Yeah. We have a guest. Let's get right to him. Oh, Barry, new record for traffic, traffic direction. Cop. That's right. We do have a guest. We have Tim Brando from Fox Sports. Hello, Tim. Hello, Evan. This How- is Sherrington. Mr. Horn, how are you? Uh, we are great, and uh, thank you for joining us. From what airport are you in this morning? Jackson Hartsfield International, a.k.a. Purgatory. Particularly <laughs> particularly, particularly during foot, uh, basketball season in the wintertime when I'm trying to get from an ACC site to a, a Big East site, you know, in the middle of February. Spent many an evening here. Um you know, you guys you always talk about it, and I love listening to your intro. It's almost worth coming on for gratis all the time. It is. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, that's uh, about all you're going to get but, from us, Tim. But, that and a hearty handshake. But, and a pat on the back. But, as a, but as, a, uh, as a guy that's been on the receiving end of much criticism from objective consultants, right, Barry, you understand, uh, objective consultants. Yes, I know who where you're going. Sit, who sit in a room and say what they like or don't like about um, certain on-air talents. One, one guy once wrote of me, and I, in an, anonymously, of course, he wrote of me, you know, Brando's just a cheesy guy. you got to understand he's, he's, just, he's just a little cheesy. So I'm going to throw a little cheesy on your ballsy today so that's what we've got working well let me just say this tim you are not a cheesy guy we think you're the <laughs> ultimate pro and and we would say that even if you don't come on to our podcast gratis gratis, gratis. uh oh, God. <laughs> we have a big football game this week in the sec tim yeah and it doesn't involve lsu or florida so you can get off that you can get off that train which i know you've been driving for a couple of weeks now well, they finally took care of it. Well, uh, they but, but but in so doing, they helped prove my point that college football is in very large need of a commissioner. Because yes, apparently it is. you got to change because apparently you got to change bylaws for the commissioner to have any power in the SEC now that Mike Slive is gone. So let me ask you this: I sat and actually watched the Alabama-Tennessee game the other day. How in God's on God's green earth is Texas A and M going to compete with Alabama? Well, you don't you don't uh, throw an interception return for a touchdown. You you don't let your punt team whiff on um, the receiver that's going to bring the ball back. You don't allow the special teams and the defense 
of Alabama to score touchdowns. If you can, you know, that's what they've been doing, Barry. They they're averaging two and a half touchdowns, uh, roughly seventeen points from in place, but their offense. Right. Okay. So if you take those big plays away from their special teams and their defense. I mean, whether it's a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown, whatever, that, they've been scoring that way. That's what A&M's got to avoid. And I think that Trevor Knight understands that. I mean, he does have some history with Alabama, although Nick would tell you that that Sugar Bowl they really didn't care about because they had lost already. And That's it wasn't right. The national title. Yeah, they didn't really want to play anyway. So so I'm just, I'm just saying, Alabama – it really looks to be dominant right now, and I understand that. But the reason for it is other teams are making mistakes, glaring mistakes, which which Nick Saban really forces upon you. That's a little bit of a compliment from an offense, a defensive standpoint for him, because he confuses people with his uh, secondary looks and zone blitzes that are coming from different locations. I mean, it's hard to quarterback against that team. You've got to be aggressive, but at the same time accurate. And in a split second, when you make those decisions, if you make that one mistake, as Deshaun Watson did last year, you think about that. Now, they were up 14-7 at control of that game. He throws a pick. As Clemson is looking to go in, they would have been up 21-7. Instead, it's tied at 14, and it was game on. I mean, he still threw for over 400 yards. Um, you know, Ole Miss's quarterback has also gone for over 400 against them in the year each of the last – two times that Ole Miss has played. He won one, he lost one. But, you know, Kelly threw he, he made he made some mistakes, too. He had a fumble that um, that cost him, and then he had a pass interception that cost him. So you've got to play a near-perfect game at quarterback, and you need to be uh, perfect and also aggressive. You can't back off. You can't win against Alabama if you're trying to coach around the quarterback position. Ask Les Miles. It got him, it got him fired. So you've got to be able to be aggressive, but at the same time, play clean at that position. And I and, and I think Trevor Knight, frankly, is one of the, the better candidates to do that. I really do. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you that because uh, you know one of the things that has given Alabama a little bit of trouble, and they haven't had much trouble with anybody over the last decade, but uh, is a quarterback who can who can move uh, and can get out and run, and and that is one of the things that Trevor Knight does very well. He's one of the absolutely. I believe yeah. he's what second in the country among quarterbacks in rushing, and uh, he is he is. It's not so much that he's so elusive. He's pretty fast, and he and he, when he gets out in the open, he he knows what he's doing. And that is in and now the accuracy issue. He's not the most accurate guy in the world, but I think if they can keep him. As you said, from forcing passes and and uh, and trying to just go with the t- kind of a little bit along the lines of of, of a Dak Prescott, and what he's doing for the Cowboys right now, not not putting the ball in harm's way. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if they can get Trevor to do that, then I think they have a chance in this game. Kevin, listen, when it comes to uh, playing against Alabama, you've got to be, as I said, aggressive, but at the same time clean. And, and get on a roll and be willing to, to to throw the ball down the field against this team, but you also have you need to be able to run the ball some too. You know, when when Clemson had their success, they were able to at least get a hundred yards rushing in that game, and maybe maybe some of that is going to be you running as a quarterback, but you also need your running backs to be able to get 
you know, more than two yards on first down. And I, that down is critical against Alabama because once they have dictated tempo and, and really turned you into a one-dimensional team, you're done. You have no chance against them. So, you know, if you look through the years, uh, Alabama, when they have been beaten, it's been with a hot quarterback, a mobile quarterback, but with a team that, whether it was through the quarterback or maybe through the running back to go with it, was able to get, you know, more than, let's say, 100 yards cumulatively from someplace other than the quarterback position. So take any look at the combination. I don't care if it's jet sweeps from from wide receivers. If they can create yardage on the ground of greater than 100 yards from anyone other than Trevor Knight, then I think they've got a great chance of winning the game. You know, one of the things uh, that impresses me about uh, Kevin Sumlin is that uh, if you look at his bowl record, if you look at his record early in the season, they've done well. And that suggests to me that when you give him a little time, he, he can work up something um, to, to, to beat you. And, and I think I ha- agree with that. And having this yeah. week off before the Alabama game, not only from the standpoint of getting everybody healthy, uh, but I think that is really good for them. As we, we, we look yeah. back, remember when they played, when Johnny Manziel went there to play them, and that it was really in that first quarter when they beat Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa. They, they, they put up the points early. And then they kind of held on, and the defense did a nice job and got a key interception late in the game. But to me, that is that is the maybe other than Trevor Knight and those defensive ends, uh, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall, that's the best yeah. thing they've got going for them in this game. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, the, the Hertz has not been pressured, and I think A&M can do that. I mean, those guys are freakish athletes off the edge, no doubt about it. Interestingly, that you, you to me that you bring that game up because in a lot of ways, that, that the Johnny football game that was played, and I, I remember I was doing an SEC game earlier that day in South Carolina, and I was at the airport in Columbia. We had a double hitter that day on CBS, and uh, we were all in the airport watching the game and looking up, and gosh, it's it's fourteen to nothing, it's twenty to nothing, and and Johnny had that remarkable play. You go back and look at what happened to these programs since then. Uh, Alabama, that's where Nick Saban, I think, learned his lesson about the direction the game was going in and that he was no longer going to be able to control games by playing in a phone booth and, and keeping the score down. That even as great as he was as a defensive mind, you were going to have to score points to win. And, and, uh, and I think that it was from that point that he said, you know, I need to find someone to push the envelope for us offensively. Um, and, and McElwain, I think, from an offensive standpoint, certainly had been pushing him to do more. But when he got Lane Kiffin uh, after Jim left, when he, when he got Lane Kiffin, I think he took it to another level. And, and now, I mean, you think about it. They had to score a lot of points to beat Clemson, Okay. 45 points to win the national championship. I dare say at that time when A&M was playing them, they, they didn't think that. Uh, the other aspect that's interesting to me about the Sumlin aspect of things is that his issues came even with Johnny because he knew even though they were pressing uh, the, 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 um, the foot down hard on the offensive pedal with those teams, they've they suddenly couldn't stop people. So his issues were more on defense. He identified his problem 
and now went out and got John Chavis, whose record in terms of limiting Alabama offensively, even against some of their stronger teams, is really, really good. Uh, go back and check what Chavis's teams did statistically at LSU to make for some of those defensive battles that they had. And I think you'll find that the Big Chief uh, is probably one of the best defensive coordinators to match wits with Nick Saban that there is in college football. So, uh, to me, uh, Alabama recognized the problem. It was their offense, even even though they were, uh, you know, a great team that had won a lot of championships. But the game was changing, and they had to evolve. Texas A and M, granted, they've had more unrest and upheaval there with the. The, the issues off the field with the assistant coaches and with the quarterback problems with five stars that suddenly didn't want to play all at once. But but I think the, one of the reasons Kevin is okay now and uh, we're no longer hearing you know any buzz out of College Station about you know him making all this money and them not producing. I think the reason for that is you know what he did in hiring Chavis and and to go with that now from an offensive standpoint. Noel Mazzoni might be the hire of the year in college football as an offensive coordinator to give stability to that program and sort of identifying itself again as not just a pass-happy team, but also a, a team that, that has you know the ability to run the ball, bring a power base back to what they're doing, which enables Trevor Knight to be the kind of quarterback that I think he always wanted to be and never really was at Oklahoma. Tim, for me it's, it's just – it still comes down to this, and as simple as it may be, how is A&M going to stop Alabama's rushing game? By getting them behind the chains and making some big plays, tackles for losses. I, you know, we talk often, Evan, about explosive plays in, in, from an offensive standpoint. From, from program to program, an explosive play could be a, any gain of 20 yards or more or any gain of 16 yards or more. Well, an explosive play also can come on defense. And those two ends that I think Kevin just mentioned a moment ago, they can make those plays happen. If you can get uh, Hertz into a situation where he's dealing with second and 14, uh, that, that, that puts a little more pressure on the Crimson Tide. It does. They are not a team that likes to play from behind the chains at all. They also are not a team that's accustomed to being behind. That's, that's the issue Tennessee had. And has had all season long. <laughs> I right. mean, ask A and M. I mean, they they get down by fourteen by twenty. You can't afford to do that against Alabama. But Alabama is always in peril whenever someone is dictating pace of play and tempo to them. If you take the game to them, that's what Manziel did. Um, you know, that's what for really for uh, about a quarter and a half of the Clemson national championship. Really, two and a half quarters. I think. Clemson had control of that game really until the third, so much so that Nick had to resort to an onside kick that helped turn that game around and give him an extra possession. You know, that onside kick in the national title game was a little bit like the one Sean Payton pulled off against Indianapolis because they had a power-packed offense and he felt like he needed to steal a possession. If you can get Saban into a situation where he believes he has to have more possessions to win the game, then you basically, from a mental standpoint, are winning the game. So I'd go back, look at the Clemson uh, viewpoint, and say, hey, Alabama's going to make their fair share of plays. They've got great talent. But if we can dictate pace of play, force them to play from behind, 
then we've got a really good shot of beating them. And let me tell you something. The pressure on them, on that program, on Nick and those kids, is unlike any pressure any team has to deal with in college football. That fan base of theirs truly believes it's their divine right to win it all and to win every game, no matter what. Well, they've got a lot of evidence to back that up. (laughs) Absolutely. No question. But get them in a position where the game really is on the line in the fourth quarter. And uh, as we like to say, not on the air, but in the locker rooms from time to time, I'll go. Oh, let's not get into any locker room banner. I'll I'll get into a little, yeah, I'll get into Trump territory. You need to drive up the sphincter factor on Alabama late in a game. Okay? You get them in a position where, oh, my God, this can't be happening. Right. Uh, Man, that's a part of the world that that, that they don't experience very much week in and week out. That's what A&M's got to do. Sounds like a lot, but when you think about it, the personnel that they've got, they match up really well, I I think. I thought thought A&M... uh, was physically, along with LSU, the, the, those were the two best teams I felt this year to match up against Alabama. All right, so all of that said, what happens in Tuscaloosa this weekend? Alabama wins by 20. Alabama wins. <laughs> <laughs> by how many? By how much? I think it'll be close. I, I th- you know, I'm hoping for that Clemson kind of game. Uh, this is unfortunately one that, if it were played in um, – in College Station, I'd really like their chances. Uh, Alabama's fortunate to have this one. But the equalizer may be that open date because that was an exhausting game for them to win, even though the score would tell you otherwise, that they had control, complete control of the Tennessee game. The third Saturday of October, or as Keith Jackson used to say, the, the leaves begin to turn game. You know, General ne- Nealon used to say on the third Saturday of October, the boys become men when the leaves begin to turn. Uh that's an exhausting game mentally. So uh, I think it'll be close. I don't think Alabama covers the number. And the number's always inflated with Alabama because their fan base, no matter what, lays the, they lay the wood. They lay the money, no that's, matter what. That's very so, similar to Cowboy games. Yep, yep. That is, uh, by the way, today. as of today, Monday, it's 14 and a half. It opened, yeah, which is... It yeah. opened at 16 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You take all of that Texas A&M money that you know is passionate, and it still will stay at 14-plus. Alabama will match it. No matter. Kevin, what <laughs> happens this weekend? Well, here's my biggest problem for A&M. Uh, I know we don't like to play the A plus B equals C game, uh, but against Tennessee, uh, A&M's defense gave up 684 yards. Right. And Alabama held Tennessee to, I believe, what, 163 yards? Something like that. It's a uh, the, the the difference is tremendous, and and, and even though and and uh, and everything you said about what uh, Tim, everything you said about what John Chavis has done in A and M is absolutely true. There are times when they play very very well. Unfortunately, they have times when they let things get away, uh, and and they've had lapses defensively. And you simply cannot have any lapses against Alabama. You got to play all four quarters the very Agreed. best they can play. Uh, and and I think yeah. to go back to Tim's point, you've got to. You've got to take the first the first possession if you get it, and you've got to go down the field, and you've got to score. Well, you got to take that stadium out and, and make them yes make them throw the ball a little bit more because if they want to run the ball down your throat, they're going to run the ball down your throat. Anybody want to guess what the average the, the, the Alabama offensive line averages across the front? Six hundred pounds. Wow. Oh. 
That's big. Well, well he's going to say it's huge. Go ahead, Evan. Well, why don't you take a realistic guess, Barry? I'll say 300. <laughs> I'll say 301. Tim? Oh, it's more than that. It's like, I, I, I would take it to 306. It's 315. 315. Yeah. So they're, are they bigger than Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas has uh, been yeah, the I haven't, I haven't I haven't measured Arkansas, but, you know, Alabama, the lightweight on Alabama's line is 296. Yeah. Wow. But, here, but here's the thing, though. Uh, with In terms of playing A, B equals C, that kind of thing, John Chavis knows how Nick wants to play this game. And really, even with Lane Kiffin, Nick definitely wants – ball control and doesn't want his quarterback to be put on the line to win the game early or even mid-game, okay? So they're, they're going to want fewer possessions, and they're going to want to control the ball and keep Trevor Knight in that explosive offense. That's, that's really the way Nick's going to play it, okay? Now, Chavis, understanding that, will not have his defense in a position where they're, they're, they're scattered all over the place. Now, you got to keep up, obviously – with the play-action pass, it's boom, boom, play-action pass. But this this Crimson Tide team is still not – they don't have that vintage running game that they used to have. you make, you got to make sure you cover O.J. Howard. He's probably one of the most gifted and talented tight ends in the business. You need to be able to take him away. But I'm going to suggest to you, Evan and, uh, and Kevin, this is not an offense that's, that's too terribly difficult. You, what you see is what you get. And I think this is where Chavis is at his best, and it's one of the reasons why he's done such a good job through the years uh, coordinating against Saban coached teams. Uh, I, I don't think that the yardage number with Tennessee was unreal because they got a lot of playmakers and they stretched the field, the width and the depth of the field on every play. That's just the way they have to play. And it's going to be a different kind of issue here. Other thing about this that I think gives A&M a little bit of, uh, of a, uh, opportunity to win I don't think they will, but I think they will certainly cover and take it down to the last uh, possession or two, is that they've gone in there in recent years and been successful. Uh, at least the staff has. Okay, And I think Kevin understanding that, he's a little bit of a cool hand Luke. And, and I think from a coaching standpoint, he loves the idea of being that, you know, that guy with a, a fast gun on the other side. And if, he, if you can get Alabama in a position where they're down, uh, as I said, that crowd, and it's an anointed crowd, they believe that they, it's different. It's just different at Bryant-Denny. You get them in a position where, you know, their jaws are dropping. You've seen those cutaway shots that the cameras make during the course of an Alabama game. When that happens, that fan base can turn on their team. And if you get them in that position, you got a real shot. So... Even though I really would prefer A&M have the, a chance to play at home because I think that personnel-wise they could really win the game. Uh, I may be talking myself into this being a comfort zone for them uh, because because Alabama's got a ton of pressure on them. Just Tim, a ton of pressure. Tim, I took no offense that you just responded to Kevin and Evan and totally ignored me. He thought you'd fall asleep. But, but, but I have a question, and Evan's going to, at the risk wait, of— wait, wait a minute. What, oh, I'm sorry, Barry. Did I— uh, That's did okay. I that's okay. okay. At, at, the, at the risk of, of getting the wrath of Evan, uh, Cowboy, <laughs> we, we, we watched, uh, to changing the subjects, we watched Dak Prescott yeah. play in, in Lambeau yesterday in Green Bay. And uh, uh, after the game, he was asked about that, and he said, well, heck, I played in the, in, in the SEC. You know, this, this was no big deal for me. 
Do you recall how he played at Alabama or at LSU? Oh, yeah, he ran roughshod over LSU, just, I mean, annihilated them. It was a, he was a one-man wrecking crew and helped launch that team to its number one status. You know, they, they went on to become number one that season, his junior year, Right. after they just lambasted LSU, just took them to the woodshed. And he made a couple of scrambles. He made a couple of runs that would remind you of Cam Newton uh, in that game. Okay. Remember when Cam was just making unbelievable plays and was by far the best player on the field? Yeah. I mean, he, no one ever compared Dak to Cam as a player, that he had all the skill set. But he was making dynamic plays that day that reminded you of what Newton did. And that happened in that game in Baton Rouge, and it, and it catapulted them into the national mindset. If you remember shortly thereafter, they're playing Kenny Hill was quarterbacking A&M in what was it, what was it, number two versus number three game mm-hmm. uh, in the SEC, like maybe the week after that. And they, they blew out A&M, and uh, that was the beginning of the end of Thrill Hill at uh, College Station. And uh, he went on to, I think, keep them number one for about five weeks. Yeah, uh, that particular year, I think they were number one in the country for about five to six weeks before they played Alabama. The issue that he had with State, uh, Mississippi State, playing Alabama was that there were no other real options. He had some running backs that got hurt uh, by the time they played that game, and Alabama basically just bracketed uh, from a defensive standpoint. They bracketed to keep him from getting to the edge. They didn't have to respect really the run game, and he didn't have great receivers either. You know that. He had marginal to just okay receivers at Texas A&M. No one dynamic. You know, no Des Bryant types, nothing quite like that. This is by far the first time that you – know, those receivers yesterday in the Cowboys game, I watched a good bit of it. They, they, made, some great, they made some great plays and had great routes that were being run you know, Tim, uh, with Bryant out of the game. So that's not surprising to me. But, but the thing about Dak is that when he makes the statement, I played in the SEC – Lambo's no big deal. Right. Well, for us that have covered the SEC for 30 years, we understand exactly where he's coming from. You know, a lot of um, condescending NFL pundits, and Barry, you know who they are. You know, this college kid is just, you know, college guys. They're, you, know, right. you come into the SEC week in and week out, and I'll show you, you know, how real college football is played with great effort week in and week out before, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans week in and week out. Well, I wouldn't so know anything about go, that because I've stopped caring about college football. How did Georgia do this weekend? <laughs> Evan, how did Georgia do? I don't know, Bear. I didn't watch any college football this weekend. Wow. Kevin, tell it. Right. Really Evan's gone the way of me with baseball, with college football. Huh? That's a shame. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I know that this is probably very interesting stuff, but I have uh, checked out. I, I, I've never been really much of a college football fan. Kevin, yeah. tell, tell them how Georgia did. No, I don't want to break it. I don't want to twist that knife on Evan. That's too bad. That's too bad that happened. Evan will declare himself a Georgia State fan any minute now. Well, yeah, the, the, school he, the school he really went to, yeah. you mean? Yeah. You know that Georgia State's Will Lutz, Will Lutz actually, kicked the winning field goal yesterday against uh, the Carolina Panthers so, for the Saints. Uh, very nice. Thank you. So now, now what are the Georgia State? Panthers. Panthers. Kevin. Oh, well, th- thanks very much, Barry. Thanks for, for directing that traffic that way. <laughs> you know, you know I, I sit here and, and I'm waving one guy on. I have yeah. my hand up to the other guy. You're doing a fabulous job. 
Tim, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, one other thing about Dak Prescott, and this is something that came up. I remember when the Cowboys drafted him, and I and I wrote something saying, that, you know, this was a, ni- a very nice pickup in the fourth round to get this guy. Of course, I had no idea it would work out this you way. Didn't? No, uh, and neither did anybody Wait else. Wait a minute, you're not going to take credit uh, for this? Whoa, 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 whoa. Neither did anybody else. I knew he'd work immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I had no doubt. And I get the biggest kick out of hearing these guys, you know, uh, you name them. Uh, because uh, all these all these embrace debate guys that you hear talking about quarterback play, that they think if you're not taken in the first or second round, you can't play. Uh, I, I, Dak Prescott was going to be a stud when he got into the NFL. It was just a question of when did he get the opportunity. Now, I'm surprised he's playing. Okay, I didn't know that it would happen this soon. But I knew he'd be very successful. I mean, he's he's got an NFL body to end all NFL bodies to play the position. He's got a really good arm, and more importantly, great character. So, you know, again, I know these worn-out, out-of-work general managers that are now on television telling everybody who's good and who's not because they're going by, you know, what the combines, you know, are telling us week in and week out. They're not watching college football, okay? They're not where I am every week. Or I could have told him very easily, Dak Prescott's going to be an instant stud. And I'm not the only guy that would have said that. Okay? I mean, you just have to understand playmakers, regardless of what, you know, the the so-called NFL gurus are saying, playmakers are are guys that can play the game can play it. And um, he may not be perfect. He may not come into the league with the requisite tools of an Andrew Luck. But that doesn't mean the kid wasn't going to be successful. I think there were a lot of people out there, Evan, that thought Dak Prescott was an unbelievable steal in the fourth round. I think for I the fourth round, I think for the fourth round, there was a lot of thought that yeah, this guy could have a whole lot of upside. But I don't think there were a lot of people that thought that even if he was pressed into play uh, his first year in the NFL, that he was going to. Well, well, I'm just okay. Well, I'm just going to suggest to you that the people that are that are on television, they're so-called know-it-alls discussing the NFL, don't know what the hell they're talking about because they're not watching the college game, which is where the NFL players are coming from. Um, you know, I've heard it w- way too many times. And Barry, uh, it just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bane of existence for me. I don't know how many times I've had some people say this. Gosh, uh, I saw you do an NFL game. You did a great job. <laughs> and I was like, it's easier than college. Yeah, you got forty-five guys. Yeah, in the in college, I got a hundred. About twenty of them are walk-ons, and if the game is bad, they're going to be playing. Sure. It's like a preseason game. <laughs> I mean, football's football, guys. You know this idea that uh, you got to be a rocket scientist to be successful to play mission critical positions in the NFL. That is garbage, and a lot of the media buys into this stuff. I mean. You play at a high level in college football and you're successful, you may not do it exactly the way they want it, like robo-QB, but I'm here to tell you, um, a lot of these guys can play. I had a lot of debates during the time I was at CBS with Pat Kerwin, who, by the way, is one of the NFL people I really do respect, one of the gurus and mm-hmm. former GMs and personnel directors I really do like. And, and, uh, and he told me flat out many times, he said, Tim, you know, there are a lot of guys in the NFL that just don't, they don't follow. They don't keep up with what these guys are doing. They look at the film, and then they get them in the combines, and then they make these, these judgments. 
And I'm like, well, why wouldn't they watch what they're doing and how they're developing from week to week? So there are a lot of guys that fall through the cracks when it comes to the NFL. That's 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 my only point. Do you, do, when you look at uh, one of the things about uh, when and I was, as I was saying a while ago, when I wrote about uh, him initially, I heard from some Mississippi State fans who who said, uh, "Oh, he's he's not that you know he's not going to be that good." Do, do, is, <laughs> do, do you feel like that that he was underappreciated, or was that just a was that just a kind of a vocal minority, or were there people was he underappreciated at Mississippi State? Yeah, that was because they were pissed because he didn't light up Alabama. He didn't have much help. You yeah. know, you, 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 it's it's at some point it's about personnel, Kevin. You got to have uh, you got to have some guys to go along with you. You know, Cam Newton didn't do it all by himself when he brought Auburn from twenty three down to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. He had to have some help, some really good running backs. That dire kid could run. So, you know, that just didn't have that. And uh, the few players that he had that were really pretty good were injured uh, by the time they got to that Alabama game. Tim, uh, so where will you be this weekend? Actually, you know what? I'm going to be watching some football. I get a week off. Uh, and I get Arizona and uh, Stanford on the 29th. I, I'm, I'm able to dodge that OU-Kansas game, which <laughs> is good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So I'm, this will be my last. This will be the last Saturday I ever have off. I think because beginning next year when Fox and Fox Sports One gets the um, the Big Ten, uh, that's a game changer for us. And I'm I'm looking forward to working every week beginning then. But Spencer and I get two weeks off uh, during this college football season, and this is our last one. So I'm I'm going to have a little tailgate at Chateau Brando and let my Ole Miss daughter and my LSU daughter go at it. <laughs> well, Tim, I'm going to be in, in Tuscaloosa, so I'll tell them all hello for you. Please do, please do. Tell them, I, tell them I said hello. I, I get occasionally Barry. You know this. I, I get those, um, those. Um, gosh, we miss you in the SEC uh, tweets. Yeah. Or we're, or we're glad as hell you're out of the <laughs> SEC tweets. Uh, and, and I just respond by saying it's nice to be missed. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I, I miss weeks uh, being in the paper. Nobody even cares. Evan. All right. Well, Tim, we'll, we will let you go for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to do it, fellas. Sa- Anytime. Safe travels so to Mobile. D, C, B, or A. I'm always happy to join. Well, safe travels to Mobile. Have a lovely time down there, and uh, we will talk to you down the road soon. Our pleasure. Take, take care, Thanks, Tim. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Tim. You got it. All righty. Uh, bye, th- bye, Tim. Right, Tim, so Tim, you, well, uh, Tim introduced a new word to the podcast today, Evan. Did you hear it? Well, it, I, yeah, I, I think you're re- referring to sphincter. I think he pronounced it sphincter, <laughs> sphincter, which <laughs> I, I think that's a Yiddish sphincter, isn't it? Well, now that would be tochus. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Perfect. Uh, so, uh, yes, he did introduce sphincter and the sphincter uh, factor to the uh, Alabama, um, uh, to the uh, to the lexicon. Should we get into this? I mean, it's Monday morning here, and by five thirty this afternoon, we're going to have some kind of resolution. But on the Big Twelve, on the Big Twelve and and, and expansion. But we think there's going to be a resolution. We're not as actually sure of that. So, Kevin, you think nothing happens? 
Uh, I, I do think nothing happens. I, I, I just feel like there is enough ambivalence about all the uh, potential candidates and, and what they bring to the table. I, it, I think the one thing that is interesting is, is that Chuck Carlton, our fine college football writer, has introduced is the possibility of, of football-only members, and those would probably be BYU and Houston. Certainly BYU. If you can get BYU into this into this equation, but if you bring BYU in, if you bring BYU in for football, why not bring them in as a full-fledged member? Because of all the problems they bring with scheduling, the fact of, of, of Sunday, they want they don't want to play on Sundays. There's the LGBT uh, issue. But if they're going to allow them as football only, the LGBT issue. Well, that is, issue will have to be taken care of. Yeah, it will be. They'll have to have a. They'll have to relax their code of conduct rule. It's a hot button. Uh, it, it is. But it's easier. It, it just makes the football part of it. Okay, all we're doing is playing them in football, right. and so therefore we don't have to schedule them all the rest of the time. Well, let me ask you this, Evan. Does it really matter beyond football? I think in some, for some schools it does. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, – For the fans, for the people who are listening to this no, podcast. I mean, this is, we're all talking about this for football. Right, okay. Because, okay, okay. first of all, the NCAA tournament basically in basketball is about as perfect of a situation as you can have. You know, you – Every conference gets a representative. You 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 can find your way into the tournament. Yeah, everybody's on equal footing. You know, everybody is on 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 at least a level playing field. There, there, there may be different resources and all of that. My question though is, if they don't add anybody, um, and they take some extra money here and spread it around. Which How? is another thing that Chuck brought, uh, brought up. Not the pro rata, but the fact that Fox and ESPN would just kick in extra money to avoid having to pay the pro rata. Right. So, how short-sighted is that? About uh, to do it in the short term? Just to, take, just to take some extra money right now and not worry about the long-term health of the conference. I don't think there is a long-term health for the conference. As I've written a couple of times, I think that's the reason why Texas and Oklahoma have, uh, have not signed an extension to go right. past the 24-25 season. And because they're they're waiting out there to see what the landscape is going to be, is the is the Big Ten going to be you know willing to to expand some more? Is is there something else happening, or would there be would there be a possibility of you know four sixteen team conferences, or or as, as I was talking to someone the other day, uh, they think probably might be less than that, might be less than four sixteen teams, might be four you know fourteen teams uh, to get it down to a number that they like better. So uh, I I think that. Uh, Really, to me, what happens now and over the next couple of years doesn't really matter that much, and I and I think that's the way Texas and Oklahoma look at it. I think that's I think Texas has has sponsored kind of so to speak Houston getting into the Big Twelve because they want to get that uh, that that campus in the Houston area. That's what they've been fighting for. But from everything we understand is that okay, yeah, we're we're with you on that. We'll sponsor you, but we're not really saying whether we're going to campaign for you. You know, so I I, I think there's a you know. If you look at it, and it's what we've kind of said all along, is that why why would you take Houston? Uh, if, you, if Houston's going to win and win big, well, then okay. Then you got somebody who's, in, who's challenging for the, the CFP. But we saw them lose to Navy. We saw them barely beat Tulsa in a, in a game where there was a goal line stand there. They, a kid doesn't get the ball across the goal line. I don't understand how he, he can't do that. Uh, running parallel to the goal line, so that's two games that they—that's one game they lost to Navy, and then they should have lost to Tulsa. Right, and they've still got Louisville down. And the they line. still got Louisville. So 
uh, if they're not going to win, uh, what are they bringing to the package here? Because because they've already stolen. But, if, but not only do they have to win, they have to win they big, have, big, if and you, they have to be a, a yeah, one-loss, well, undefeated team. All right, right, so, when I say win, I, well, that's what I'm talking about. Is winning big? It's yeah. not. It's not enough. I got. I got a very nice letter. Uh, I think that the Dallas Morning News is running it from a from a Baylor fan saying that that you know this is all a bunch of whining on the part of Texas and Oklahoma. And and, uh, and you got a nice letter from a Baylor fan. And that's, that's hard to believe, isn't it? And uh, but the, but the point is, is that you know he was he was making the point that look, everybody's competitive and this is all good, and that's exactly right. It is fun to watch during the week in the Big Twelve games because they are very competitive. But it, the, the league is cannibalizing itself because it's, it's not like the SEC where you have schools from other states beating each other. These are all schools within the state. And so now you're going to add one more. You're going to add Houston and make and, and to put them on the same playing uh, I, level field as everybody else. That doesn't make sense to me. As more of a casual observer and more of a just taking coming from a fan perspective, what incentive is there for Oklahoma to stay in the league? Because it just does seem like it's a – University of Texas dominated uh, discussion, and if Oklahoma can find a better deal with a more stable league, why do they not leave? Well, they they would, but they, they, their problem is is they have to take Oklahoma State with them. I mean, that's 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 the issue for them. It's much like Texas is that they're expected to drag some teams with them. And when I say drag, I'm not I'm not denigrating these other teams. I'm yes, just, you are. It's I'm, okay. No, those are those this are, is this is this room is a safe denigration spot. Okay, there you go. It's that yeah. There's a lot of politics involved in all of this, right? And, and so, but uh, every every team in the Big Twelve should not be equal, and every team should not have an equal vote. I, I just want to go say that. You really? Know? Yeah, I, that's that's what I want to say. When you're talking about <laughs> football and national championship, and football drives football drives the the bus, unquestioned. So, but, but who who in the league this year has the best chance to win a national championship right now? Right now, Oklahoma. Baylor. 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 Baylor's got the, Oklahoma's got no prayer. I think I think Oklahoma's the best team. The only team, no the only team that's losses. got a prayer right now is Baylor, and I mean that. And West Virginia, they haven't played better. anybody. No, they haven't they, played anybody yet. No, so. and so we well, don't but know. You, what you, you, you have to beat the teams you have to beat, and, and they've done that. So let's give them that. But uh, Evan, I think we we need to go. I'm driving the bus. I'm looking at the. You don't look at the clock. I'm looking at the clock. I, I count the number of yawns Brian has in the background. Have, Brian has yawned. Brian, our producer. You know, after this, you could go to work for Uber because the, the guy who did the Uber commercials, he drove bus. Because Brian has yawned seven times already, and that's, and that's my limit. That's because we're in here earlier than usual, Barry. Because, because but you keep your back to our producer and the clock. I'm looking at our producer and our clock. This is really scintillating talk. And he's not way. happy. So, Evan, why don't, why don't, and we have to get on to our other, we have other podcasts today, by the way. Did you know that? Oh, we do. What do we have, Barry? I don't know. Who's, what, what do we have for the Ranger podcast? Me. Okay. Well, we have a, we we spared no expense on the Cowboy podcast, and we'll have Cowboy beat writer for the Dallas Morning News Sports Day DFW.com, Brandon George, who just texted me, and he wants to know when he's going to be on. All right. Well, then I guess we can we can call him. So, uh, I guess we'll just let Brian take us out. Then fine. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bitterness. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.